Welcome to Wisdom from the Word of God, the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Owen Butler, endeavoring to reconnect people with God. Isaiah chapter 6, starting at verse 1, you will find these words. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Saints of God, I just want to talk to you from the thought, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Uh, the saints of God, as we um, try to establish a context around this particular passage of Scripture, as New Zion knows so well that I continue to repeat and contend for the idea that in order to understand the content of a passage, you must get it in the context at which it is placed. And if we look at a historical context, we are in Old Testament Israel. We are around the 8th century BC. We, we are in a time for the nation of Israel of great prosperity. Come on, come on, God has been merciful and lenient to a stiff-necked and stubborn people. I, I want you to know today that you cannot put Israel on a pedestal just because God made them his chosen people. Mother Anderson, I, I want us all to know today is that when God chooses you, it's not because of your own merit. The Bible teaches that God has selected us and elected us and he has 
changed and rearranged us because of his own good pleasure. Yeah. Pastor Jones, amen, because as the, uh, the Bible allows us to see is that we are nothing more than wretches undone. Amen. And so God has been lenient and he's been merciful and he has abounded in grace toward the nation of Israel even though they have not been right in the sight of the Lord. Well, preacher, how in the world do you say they ain't right right now? But they got a good leader, they're doing great things. But I want to tell you that we're in a historical context where the nation of Israel has been split. Yes. Are y'all listening to me? We're talking about the children of Jacob. We're talking about brothers' children. We're talking about 12 of them, and for some reason, because they got in their own feelings, Amen. Now 10 uh, of the tribes are on the north and 2 is in the south. So I don't care how well they're doing financially, amen, and materialistically in this text. I contend with you today that everything here ain't right. There's still a problem in the land. There's still stubbornness. There's still dissension. There's still jealousy. There's still envy. There's still strife in the nation of Israel. Because if it wasn't, why would there need to be two kingdoms when it was one? Now they got messed up around Solomon's son, Rehoboam, because Rehoboam would not take counsel from the multitude of good counselors. Saints of God, I want you to hear that right now because you don't have it all together yourself. You don't know everything. And God ain't giving you everything. And that's why he put some folk around you that have some wisdom to help you see your way through. I hope I'm talking to somebody right now because somebody trying to live their life on their own. They trying to do like Frank Sinatra and say, I did it my way. But if you be real honest, amen. You can see some chinks in your armor. You know that things ain't right the way they should be in your life, and you need to turn around and get your feet placed back on solid ground. Amen today. I hope I'm helping somebody today. Praise the Lord. So when we look at this text in the context, we see that the nation is still split, even though they are enjoying some material prosperity. But don't stay back in the Old Testament. Sister Terry, we got to bring this thing on up. Don't even stop at the first century New Testament. Bring it all the way up to the 21st century where you and I live. <laughs> We're living in a country right now that is enjoying some material prosperity. There's a blip here and there in the uh, uh, stock exchanges and the Dow Jones and all of that. But for the most part, people are doing pretty well. For the most part. For the most part. But then there are those who are suffering. Amen. Even now. So those who are, but guess what? Even in our land today... There is a split. 
Sister Robinson, amen. It, there's a split, split in our country, amen. Help us out, there are those who believe some should have and those should have not. And if you really find out of what folks on really on folks' minds, amen, there's some folk mad because folk like you and me, amen, aren't living on some plantations. And there are some folks who wish now, since they don't have complete control, that we would go back where we come from. But I'm here to tell you that none of us in here comes from the old land. This land is our land. Amen. So now we got to make the best of it. Amen. We got to figure this thing out. Amen. And so in our text, we see a situation where Israel really wasn't figuring it out. Jeroboam and his group up north. Amen. And you got Uzziah down south. You got all the lineage of kings up there who are now worshiping in the places where God said don't worship. We find out that in the north they're worshiping at Bethel and in Gad and in and Dan on the north and Bethel on the south. And they're doing all kinds of things that's not pleasing to God because they got envy and they got strife for their family members. There ain't no way they're going down to Jerusalem down there with them Judaites. Amen. They ain't going down there. But that's their own folks. See, some of us today are not here at church because they're not going down there with them love unitedites. So, amen. They got some reason where they just didn't do this or he didn't say that or she didn't do that. And so they're at home or somewhere today. So it's not all that different today as it was yesterday. See, too often we try to leave the Bible in a context of his instead of bringing it to the present. But see, the Bible is given to us for our admonition, Apostle Paul said. And when he was writing his words, he was referring to the Old Testament. Amen? Are y'all with me today? So when we look at this text, we look at the uh, biographical, we do a small biographical study of the uh, king here, Uzziah. He was a very unique king in that he reigned in Judah for 52 years. The man started, amen, when he was just a young boy. Amen. 16 years old. And his name is also Azariah. So there are parts of the history that we find Uzziah used, and we'll see him as Azariah. His daddy was Amariah, amen, and he went along with and kept training him for 24 years into his time as king. Because his daddy wanted him to know some things that he was too young to know then. He wanted to make sure that he came alongside him and contrained him and got him ready to lead the people all on his own. And you know what, uh, young people in the house, there are some folk that have been where you're going. Amen. And if you just listen to them and let them help you along the way, they can mentor you and show you things that you don't know anything about. Because, see, I, I, I've been real young before. Amen. And there were some things I thought about the world then that I know is not now. Amen. 
So I'm just saying this because I love you. Amen. I want you to have the best. I want you to do well. I want you to, to exceed. I want you to thrive instead of just survive. Are y'all with me today? Amen. So I just dropped that nugget out there because I want to see y'all win. Amen. Because see, we're going to have to go to sleep sometime. Amen. We're going to have to lay down on some cooling boards. Amen. For the last time. And some of y'all going to have to run with this uh, with the baton. Amen. And see what the end's going to be. So while we're here, amen, get, get in and connect to some of this wisdom. Amen. Learn from them, their mistakes. Amen. Learn from the things that they can share with you so that you can be better. Amen. In the future. Amen. And so we look at the text and we see that uh, Isaiah uh, says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, without going any further, you see why I titled this message, I was blind and now I see. Unfortunately, there had to be a devastating event in the leadership of the lives of the people of, of Judah in order for the prophet was able to see. But it wasn't just see anything, it was for him to be able to see God. Let me let me let me pause here for a moment today. Amen. Because I am uh, concerned for lack of a better word on the mentality of the people of God today. Pastor Jones already hit something that was on my mind, but I'm going to go ahead and bring it out one more time. I am concerned about how the people of God take the word of God and the training of God so flippantly. It's really way down the list of priorities. There's a bunch of stuff up at the top and then the word of God is down come on, come at the on, on. bottom. Somebody might say, oh, preacher, you don't know. I'm getting mine. Oh, are you now? Amen. What I found is those who are getting theirs outside are also coming inside and getting more because they have an appetite for the word of God. See, we spend too much time eating Doritos and honey buns instead of eating collard greens and green beans. Amen. And so then when it's time to start eating the real meat of the word, we don't have any teeth. Amen. Our gums done got soft. Amen. And the gums have gotten sore. Now, see, I don't know where you are and you don't know where I am. But one thing is for sure, you know where you are. You know that you're not giving God your best. Amen. You know that you've allowed the things of this world to take priority over the things of God. And so it is up to you and the Lord to get this situation fixed. All we are here to do is let you know, amen, that don't be too slow. Amen. Amen. So we look at the text and so somebody had to die. I wonder today is is somebody or something got to die in your life before you get serious about the Lord. 
I'm wondering if, if, if somebody who, who is in that shining spot in your life has got to go off the scene first before you can get right with the Lord. Do you got, have you given some, some, some boyfriend or girlfriend or, or some wife or husband or, or, or some child or some brother or sister? Have you given them a place that should be the place of the Lord? Come on, preacher. I'm just talking to you today come on, come from on. the heart here. Amen. I, I want you to be better. Amen. Because, see, this may be my last time. I don't know. I may not even get out of here today. I might not make it to, to dinner today. But right now, while there's blood running warm through my vein, I just want to drop a few things on you so you can think about amen as you go along your day. So we look at this text and we realize that there is a problem even now in Judah. That here is the prophet, here is the man of God, uh, Pastor Jones, amen. Even we get off a point. We start looking at other stuff, amen. Bigger buildings, amen. Looking at bank accounts and other stuff instead of keeping our focus on the Lord. We start worrying about the numbers that's coming to church instead of wondering about the hearts of men wherever they are. See, sometimes it's not about folk coming and joining your church, but it's about you reaching folks with the gospel wherever they are and that their lives be changed and that they're in that number and their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. There may be folk that never donned the doors of your church. Amen. But when we get to heaven, we be high five and they say, thank you for sharing the gospel with me. Uh, are y'all tracking with me today? Amen. I hope I'm just not up here all by myself. Amen. Amen. So when we're looking at this text, we, 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 in my concern about the mentality of believers today. I've heard too many times uh, this particular saying, and that is, well, yeah, uh, Reverend, I, you know, I'm getting a little low on money, but that's all right. All I got to do is go sell some stocks, and then all our problems will be solved. That's a problem. That's a real big problem. So you telling me that your stocks or what's going to solve your problems? You, you don't need God to solve them. You just go sell some stocks. You, can, you got some energy stocks and some, some, some technology stocks, some medical stocks, and you're just going to sell that and everything's going to be all right. Oh, you get your finances together. What I found out is that uh, 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 money won't buy you health. <laughs> Amen. Money doesn't wake you up in the morning. <laughs> and money don't start you on your way. <laughs> money doesn't regulate your mind and keep your heart stayed on thee. <laughs> Amen. It don't do that. And so I stop here for a moment in the illustrious words of, of Sister Raquel Terry. I say, hashtag... Rose eyes. Because that's crazy, y'all. As a believer, would stop and say, well, I just need to sell a few stocks and, you know, my problems will be solved. Well, where does the Lord fit in this? And that's what happened in the days of us, of Uzziah and Isaiah. That Isaiah started looking too heavily on the leadership and the kingship of Isaiah for the solving of their problems instead of looking toward the Lord. Uh, Deacon Hayden, the last time I checked, the Lord let us know something about his character. You know what he did? 
He said, I am a jealous God. And I will have no other gods before me. Am I right about it, Sister Butler? Not one. And you know that if you're not careful, you can start worshiping the creature instead of the creator. I, Uzzah might not have wanted to be there, amen, but the folks were putting him there. And see, God is a jealous God, amen. He's not going to let not one of his leaders get in the way of him and his people. The minute uh, me and Pastor Jones start thinking that we're on another level in between the people and God, that's when we got to go home. That's when, as the Bible say, we got to go to sleep. <laughs> because God will find somebody else to put in this spot who will lead his people to him and not to themselves. Now that's real talk today. Amen. You can read no further than over in the book of Revelation when you look at the church of Ephesus. God said, you need to turn back, uh, you leader, to your first love. Because if you don't, I'm going to remove the lampstand from your midst. And what he was saying to him, he said, okay, if you don't turn this around, then I'm going to turn you around. I'm going to take you out and I'm going to place somebody else to pastor this church. Amen? God don't play about his people. Amen. So we, we're here in the text and we see that God had to remove Uzziah. And, and so some people say, well, wait a minute. How did you make that relationship? Boy, I hope I'm not holding y'all too long. But I'm trying to teach a little bit here too. Amen. Uh, why, 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 why? What does King Uzziah's death have to do with Isaiah being able to see the Lord? Well, remember, in order to understand the content of a passage, you must get it in the context in which it's placed. Yeah. The cultural context around this passage is that Uzziah had already himself got too big for his own britches. Y'all ever heard that before? Yeah, Amen. I know you have. Yeah. Amen. He got too big for his own britches. Now, God had uh, given instruction to the leaders of Israel when he made them a nation. He says that I'm going to create a Levitical priesthood and I'm going to create the kingships. And he said that there should not pass cross or cross paths as it relates to taking care of the ministry, amen, of the temple. That the kings were not allowed to minister. That was the job of the priests. But somehow, because... Uzziah got so big for his britches that he thought, well, you know, I'm the king after all. You know, I can go in here and kind of, you know, get some incense going around here. You know, I, I might not go and kill a lamb, a bullock, or a turtle dove, but, you know, I can give the, go in here and do this, this, this offering here to make it a sweet aroma in God's nostrils. Won't take that much. I mean, I'm the king anyway. I've done incense before. But you didn't do it in light of the position of priest. Amen. So the Bible said that uh, a light shone on uh, Uzziah. Amen. And when the light was done, he had leprosy. And after that, he didn't live a whole lot longer. Amen. The Bible says he lived to somewhere around 738, 739, or 740 B.C. That's a bad... Bad story to tell. 
Because then the nation of Israel continued to go down the slippery slopes. Because what happened, amen, not to Judah, but while they were shaking in their own boots, in 722 B.C., the Assyrians took over the northern kingdoms and totally dismantled them as God had already promised that they would never exist again. And all the while, Judah was down there shaking as well, wondering if it was going to be their day as well. Their day was coming. It wasn't yet, but it was on its way. And I don't have time to explain it right now, but it's because of a lineage it's because of one who was coming, amen, down 40 and two generations. He was coming through uh, the kingdom of Judah, so it wasn't time for them quite yet. Amen. But the only reason why they were saved, not because they were so good, but because God was so gracious. And you know what? The reality is we're sitting up in here right now looking fine and everything else. And the only reason why we're here is because of the grace of God. So we look at the text and we see that when Uzziah was taken off the scene and Isaiah began to see that he saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Finally, he found out that, wait, Uzziah is not the king, but there is another king who's the king of kings. Amen. See, Uzziah's eyes is open up, and that's what our eyes got to do. We got to make sure that we don't put nobody else on the throne, amen, in between us and the king of kings. When we're looking for our direction, amen, as a kingdom, as a people, we need to be looking from that direction from the Lord. Amen? And so we see that he was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, what I want you to know today, amen, is that that whole idea of his robe filling the temple was significant. It was significant because of the very fact that the longer the robe, the more authority. So God was showing Isaiah, I got all authority. Because there's no room in this temple for anybody else's robe but mine. Amen? Are y'all following me today? And so we find that above him stood seraphim, and each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Oh, I wish. No, I don't know about that. I was going to say I wish we'd seen the seraphim, but I don't know. Every time the seraphim kind of showed up, things got real nasty. So I don't know if we're ready for that. Folks start falling out and look like they were dead. But if we could kind of see the seraphim in just a little bit of their glory. We would find out that they're not just little bit of figurines that on, sit what? on your desk. Yeah. But those are gigantic creatures full of the glory of God that shines from them. And even with all their glory and majesty, they realized that they had no business trying to look upon the Lord. Amen. The Bible says that they put their wings over their face. And they realized that their walk wasn't as holy as God's walk, so they put two wings over their feet. And then the rest of the time, they flew around giving him all his glory. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody today, but somebody might be reading their own newspaper.
newspaper clippings and thinking that they're all that in a bag of chips. But I'm here to let you know that you are nothing in the sight of the Lord. If without the Lord, you can do nothing. And even these angels, as majesty and as majestic as they were, they realized that they weren't as holy as God. So we must always stay humble in the sight of the Lord. Amen. Because we must realize without him, we can do nothing. And you look at the text, these great seraphim, and they cried to one another, holy, holy, holy. See, that's good, Brother Hill, right there. They could have stopped with holy, couldn't they? No, no. But they realized that his holiness was not like any other holiness. So they said, holy, holy. But then they didn't stop there. They said, for good measure, so nobody would get confused about how holy God is. Sister Bride, amen. They said, holy is the Lord. So three, that's a good number, amen. That's a good number for the Father. That's a good number for the Son. And that's a good number for the Holy Ghost. And then they said, not just heaven was filled with his glory. But they said the whole earth is full of his glory. Oh, I wish men would admit the same reality that the angels in heaven. That God's glory is filling this whole earth. When you look around and you see the trees are green and, and the flowers are, are blooming, amen. When you see his glory, the very fact that there is a substance called air that you cannot see, but it is crucial for life, you see his glory. But see, too many men are trying to be their own God, so they call themselves atheists and agnostics, amen, instead of giving God his glory. But see, that's one of these days when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. See, you're either going to give him his glory voluntarily or involuntarily. I say that you pick the first. Amen? As I get ready to close in this text, amen, don't want to hold you too long, but I'm going to look at these last verses right here. First of all, amen, I'm just going to point out the fact that these angels, amen, are no little bitty figurines. In verse 40, it said, And the post of the doors was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Do you understand that every time that the seraphim cried out holy, amen, they just began to speak, and the doorposts started to shake. Can you imagine when those majestic voices start to speak on the earth when the day is reckoning that comes? When the archangel comes with a shout, amen, with that trumpet is sounding, how this earth is going to shake, and it's going to be filled with smoke, amen. It's not going to be like this day, amen, but it is going to be the day. So we look at the text, and Isaiah, when seeing all of this, amen, since he's no longer blind and now he can see, his whole perspective about himself changed. Nowhere did you see Isaiah look at himself like this until he got right here. He said, woe is me. He said, now I done saw all of this up here and I done saw Isaiah over there. But now it's time in the holiness of God to look at me. See, sometimes we got to stop long enough from looking at everybody else and what everybody else is doing and see what are we doing. Amen. And a lot of times, amen, and even to the extremes of looking at the serial killer over here. 
Amen. The mass murderer over there. But what are you doing? Yeah. What are you killing? Amen. Yeah, yeah. What are you killing in your life? Are you killing your legacy because of the lifestyle that you live in? Amen. Are you killing the approval of God in your life because you just won't get on board with the Lord? See, you got to turn that thing on yourself sometimes. But see, then you can acknowledge what's real about your life. And that is what Isaiah did. He said, woe is me, for I am undone. He said, I ain't all what I thought I was. Now, all them, them clippings that used to talk about the prophet Isaiah and his great teaching and everybody was coming out to hear him at the big convention, at the conference every year on church growth. Amen. Now, no, I'm undone. <laughs> See, I got some things to work on myself and a whole lot now that I've seen the Lord. <laughs> Amen. And he said, he said, because I am a man of unclean lips. See, he started to look at the very fact, you know, I don't always tell the truth. See, I don't always say things the way I should. You know, I make jest and I make uh, coarse remarks. Amen. I may have an explicative that comes out here and there. And I know that's not holy in the sight of the Lord. So I'm a, my lips ain't right. <laughs> but, but, but not only that, you know, I used to think a whole lot about the folks around me. I, I used to think a whole lot about the folks at New Zion, amen, the folks at Love United. But then when I saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So guess what? We can't hide in, in the crowd. Amen, brother here. Uh-uh, no, because the crowd is messed up too. <laughs> See, you thinking, well, if I'm in this good crowd of folks, everything's going to be all right. No, no, they have fallen short of the glory of God as well. Amen. Romans 3 and 23. Amen. And so here we find that in the midst of this all, that he, his eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. It is my prayer today that the saints of God would allow the Lord to open yeah. your eyes so that you don't see mothers and fathers. You don't see brothers and sisters. You don't see sons and daughters. <laughs> televangelists, preachers, or pastors. But that your eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The first and the last, the one who is holy, holy, holy. My prayer for every baptized, born again believer is that we should keep our eyes stayed on him. Because the reality of it all is that I can't die for your sins and you can't Simon. And the Bible 
song it concerned and in such anguish that his sweat was dropping like beads of blood. But the Bible says after he got through praying, it was time for him to go through six kangaroo courts. The Roman guards came and got my Jesus and they marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall. The Bible says they took him to Annas and then to Caiaphas. From the Caiaphas to the Sanhedrin. But that's not the end of the story. From there they took him to Pilate and Pilate to Herod and back to Pilate again. They whipped him can y'all say all up in here right now? They whipped him all night long for you and for me because by his stripes you and I are healed. Do I got a witness in this house today? Just wave your hand and say yes. Say yes. But that's not the end of the story. Deacon Hayden, they marched him down the Via Della Rosa, the road of red outside the walls of Jerusalem to a place called Golgotha's Hill. Pastor Jones, they put nails in his hands. Reverend Williams, they put nails in his feet. And Reverend Hollis, they lifted him up. Yes, they did. But that's where they made the mistake. Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And you and I are witnesses today that God is still drawing. Yes, he is. That's not the end of the story. He was on that cross from the third to the ninth hour. But at the ninth hour, he put his head in the locks of his shoulders. And he died. Yes, he did. He died for you and for me. But that's still not the end of the story. They took him down off that old rugged cross and they put him in a bottle tomb. He was in that tomb all night Friday. He was in that tomb all day Saturday. He was in that tomb all night Saturday night. But it was early. It was early. begin to sing their song. It was early before the frogs began to croak. It was early that he got up with all power. Oh, power in his hand. Ain't that alright, y'all? We don't serve a dead Jesus, but he's alive again. And he you and for me. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Say yes. Yes. Oh, yes. God bless you and God keep you is my prayer. Amen. Yeah.